And as I sat in the car and viciously screamed and begged the Lord for help. In that moment, I knew I needed Jesus to rescue me from the darkness that had taken hold. And I think about that moment a lot, actually. That moment when I just totally surrendered all the pain of that season to the Lord. I didn't care about anything else in that moment. I just wanted to be rescued from all of that torment and strife that had consumed my life. I just wanted, in that moment, my mess and broken heart to just, like, give it to someone. And what I didn't know then was that I was already practicing a posture of humility. In that moment, in the midst of my pain and broken heart, I was acknowledging who I was and who God is. Me, in need of a rescue, and God the rescuer. And so when I think about Palm Sunday today, Jesus, the Messiah, coming in on a donkey, and the people, the kids, waving palms and raising Hosanna, I think I understand those people in the crowd shouting Hosanna. And I think all of us in this room today can learn a little bit more about God from this story. So together we are going to investigate what invitations the Lord has for us through scripture. Um, And I'm really excited about that. So first, let's pray. God, I thank you so much that you are, you're good. That you hear our prayers, that you are with us right now. Lord, I thank you for our sprouts and roots who are just adorable. I thank you that you call them into fellowship and perfect communion, as well as you call us big people. Lord, we love you. I pray that you will open up our eyes and our ears to what you're doing, and most importantly, our hearts. In your name we pray. Amen. So earlier in, I know that was really heavy. All right, so (laughs) earlier in the service, we heard the story of Jesus' triumphant arrival. In Luke chapter 19, we read about how the townspeople greeted their king by bending and shouting, Hosanna in the highest. And so after doing some research, I found that our understanding of Hosanna actually means one thing in the Old Testament versus the New Testament. So please be aware, I'm giving a very, like, oversimplification of this concept. I am not a biblical scholar, y'all, all right? I could be, but I'm not. And so this is, <laughs> when I was reading those books, it was a lot of stuff, man. But here's a quick lesson <laughs> in Hosanna. What I am is a teacher. Ha-ha. Hey, hey, hey. Hosanna 101. Yeah. Okay. So... <laughs> In the Old Testament, we see Hosanna being represented as a plea to save, okay? So in Psalm 118, we see them saying, Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. And so back in the Old Testament, uh, the prophet Zechariah, it was like 500-ish years ago before Jesus arrived on the cult, um, he prophesied that that was going to happen, He prophesied that the savior of all of these people's troubles would come exactly as Jesus did in the story that we read today. So in Zechariah chapter 9, it says, Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble 
riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. Then the scripture goes on to say, because of the covenant I made with you, this is the Lord speaking, sealed with blood, I will free you prisoners from death. And then it goes on to say some more, that on that day, the Lord their God will rescue his people, just as a shepherd rescues his sheep. They will sparkle in his land like jewels in a crown. So remember, this is being talking about like 500 years before Jesus does his thing, right? But one of the things that we notice in this is that the language used in Zechariah's prophecy is one of liberation. The prophecy is a promise of a liberator coming to save the people from their prisons. And so when thinking about this in context, right, and understanding what Hosanna means, we see an invitation here and an encouragement to shout to God for help. Because there's this, you know, relationship that, like, if we shout to God, some liberation is going to happen. And so some of us in this very room may feel like you are a captive of something. Maybe it's the chronic pain that just doesn't seem to go away. Or the anxiety that keeps you up at night. Maybe it's that addiction that continues to harm you, but you just can't stop. Maybe it's the fact that the spirit of comparison has led you to feeling deeply insecure. Or maybe it's the systematic prisons that we continue to participate in for king and country. We all need to be rescued from something. So what is it? What do you need to be rescued from? And furthermore, who are you crying out to to rescue you from these things? So back to our history lesson. So our understanding of the meaning of the word Hosanna changed due to some interesting translation business, you know, whoever was doing all that stuff, right? Something, something happened. But our understanding of it went from Hosanna being a plea, a cry to save us, to an acclamation. So as you can see, look at my arrow, y'all. In the New Testament, in the story that we just read in Luke, it's blessed is the one who comes in the name of the king. So we're seeing this, there's a stark difference between Lord, save us, to like, Lord, you are good. Blessed is he. So when those people saw Jesus coming in on the cult, doing exactly what Zachariah promised so many years ago, they must have been thinking, could it be? Could it be the one we've been waiting for? The one who promised to deliver us from all of this stuff? The one who would rescue us from our depression and our anxiety and our sin? The one who would bring us hope? And that right there translates into shouting, right? Because for all these years, these people were suffering with different things. And all of a sudden, wait, could it be? He's here. That's him. He's riding on the colt. That right there translates into shouting. Because Jesus' arrival was a promise being fulfilled. It's like the song the kids just sang. In winter, I believe you. In springtime, I see you, right? So beautiful, they did a great job. But right there is something that we all can relate to because New England winters are just tough. Raise your hand if you're just like, yeah, they tough. Yeah, right, and we've had like pretty basic ones the past few years, like 
it's been chill, right? But I just remember back like in the early 2000s being like, this cannot be, why do we live here, right? So, right, like New England winters are just a beast, right? You go to work, you get in your car right before work, and it's dark. And by the time you get home, it's dark. And slowly but surely, like your evening plans, you're not hanging out with people. You know you in the bed watching Netflix, right? Your friend's texting you, what are you doing? Nothing, I'm busy, right? Like you all know what I'm talking about, right? Those are the New England winters. And you know, it's funny, we can like joke about it, right? But really, we start to get disconnected from our communities. I think we could all agree. And disconnected from the outdoors, because like who wants to go outside when it's looking like that? And all of that, like, we feel very disconnected from the fullness of life. It's like we know what it feels like to hang out in the summer and in the spring and have a good time. We know what that feels like, but we're disconnected from it. And we just can't seem to engage. But wait, it starts to get warmer. And the sun begins to smile on us more. The snow starts to clear and new life forms. This picture right here was taken in front of Josh and Tina's house on March 8th, according to my iPhone, because it was just like ugly outside. But look at that. There's no grass. There weren't other flowers or plants around. It was just this one. And I remember thinking, that's hope. That's hope. The beauty of spring is first poking out. And soon, it overwhelms us. In a couple of weeks, we will see those cherry blossoms. And so in this illustration, right, you are now seeing and you're noticing the goodness of God in a way that perhaps you may have not in the winter. And that right there, my friends, is a reason to shout. To shout unto the Lord with great enthusiasm because the Lord, you see, this is really cool. The Lord, he is faithful to complete a work that he has begun. Right? So whether it's the seasonal cycles of New England or the fulfillment of prophecy from 500 years earlier or your very own healing, the Lord is faithful. And that very same God that promised to return on a cult is the very same God that promises you freedom from all of your infirmities, from your depression, from your anxiety, from your hopelessness. And that, my friends, y'all are quiet, but that's pretty shout-worthy, right? Like, that's pretty, like, what? Like, listen, I know, like, I know the culture of our church, right? But, like, that is shout-worthy, right? That, like, we serve a God, we know a God who is faithful to complete the work that he has begun in each and every one of your lives. Thank you. <laughs> so... In Psalm 98, 4 through 9, it says, Shout to the Lord all the earth. Y'all remember that song? You see, Matt's like, yeah, like when the early 90s. Oh, geez, Lord, have mercy. Um, but yes, the Bible tells us to do that, right? To shout unto the Lord all the earth, break out in praise and sing for joy. It goes on to say in Psalm 66, the Lord commands us to shout for joy to God all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Give him glorious praise. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies come cringing to you. All the earth worships you and sings praises to you. They sing praises to your name. Come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds towards the children of man. 
Wow, the Lord is commanding us to shout unto him. And so, Lord, guys, I'm all about redemption stories, right? I don't like stories that kind of end where you're like, ooh, that feels yucky. So I wanted to return to the story that I opened up with, that moment of me shouting in my car. It was so powerful for me because it felt like a turning point. My depression didn't suddenly go away or my grief. As a matter of fact, those things got worse for a while. Yeah. In humbling myself before the Lord, I began to see the narratives I was writing about my life and how I did not always trust God to lead it. And so with that realization and understanding of the ways in which I had not trusted God, I began the work with my community of deciding how I wanted to live my life. I no longer wanted to see my identity as Kiana, the overachieving educator. I simply wanted to be Kiana, daughter of the Most High King. And all along that journey, I decided that I wanted to stick with my rescuer. I decided to trust God and bend towards his will because I was tired of placing my identity in something that was fleeting. You see, when my depression finally did clear up, I was able to see the many graces of God in that season. And not just then, but time and time again throughout my life. Paying attention to that faithfulness created a trust for me to have in God. That trust recognizes that God's ways are just higher than my ways. And because I know that, I don't want to do things in my way. I want to trust the Spirit's lead. I want to bend in the way of the Lord because I know that his way is just better than mine. And as a matter of fact, y'all, I'm going to want to bend in such a way that just like the palms we read in the story, the palms that we had, I want to prepare the, the way for the Lord, for what he wants to do in my life. And not just that, right? We all, right, we all can do this, right? When we bend to prepare the way for the Lord, we're also saying, Lord, have your way. A scripture that I wrote across my bedroom wall during the season when I was just not okay um, is Paul was writing to the church. And he says, I'm not saying I have this all together, that I have it made, but I am well on my way reaching out for Christ, who has so wondrously reached out to me. Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all of this, but I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. I'm off and running, and I'm not turning back. Church, we're not turning back. We are preparing the way for our king by bending to his will and his way. And for me, I don't know about y'all, right? But for me, I know that my Lord, he is a healer. He is a redeemer. He's a savior, a protector, a defender, a provider, and a liberator, what we were just talking about. Like, y'all know, for some of you know, I was in a grave. I was a shell of myself. And just like the psalmist said, Lord, I cried out to you for help and you healed me. He did. And that for me, that's really shout worthy. I don't know about y'all, but like that's really shout worthy to me, right? Like it's like, what? 
God, right? Like, thank you, but, but like, that gives me enthusiasm, right? When the moments where I'm just in the, the kitchen and I'm washing the dishes, and sometimes I just gotta shout because I'm like, God, you did that. You rescued me. And that right there is just like bizarre, right? And so that makes me want to testify of the goodness of the Lord. You know, if I could stand on the street and be like, the Lord saved me, Lord saved me, right? Like I would, right? Because I know that if he did it for me, he can do it for all of you, each and every one of you in these seats right now. I know that. And one thing that I know is that in shouting praises to the Lord, we're giving him back the glory and the honor and the praise. We don't take it on for ourselves and say, oh, I fixed my depression. Like, no, right? That was the Lord. And the Lord using wisdom for the different medical interventions to help, right? But that was the Lord. It wasn't me. And so when we shout, when we give it back to God, right, we understand something that's really important, that we are people in need of a Savior, that we are people who have received this gift of freedom from the Savior. And we are people being called into the will and way of the Savior. So I have some invitations for you all. Pretty good ones. What do you, just saying, because I wrote them. <laughs> what do you need to cry out to the Lord. Ask the Lord for awareness and then make space to cry out. Revisit a moment where you've tasted and seen the goodness of the Lord. Give him a shout of praise. If y'all could shout during a football game, if y'all could lose your temper and shout at somebody which you should not be doing, <laughs> right? If y'all could shout when you stub your toe, you can give a shout to the Lord. And where might the Spirit be leading you to bend to his will? This evening, I'm going to invite you all on your way out, the palms that the kids had, we're gonna just like cut some of them up. Um, and I, I invite you to take a piece of those palms actually. And this week, like make it into a bracelet or bend it in such a way that anytime you pick it up, you'll remember where you want to bend to the Lord's will. Where are you partnering with the Lord? What are you doing? How are you living your life in such a way that you are bending to the will of the Father?